Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. In this episode, we're glad to welcome back Jack Howard for another Head to Head. In previous episodes, I've chewed the fat with Jack on films like The Shining and The Dark Knight trilogy. But on this episode, we turn our attention to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man. But there's another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. My name's Miles Morales. So, Jack, uh, the last time we were together, we talked about Sandy Kubrick's film The Shining. We wanted to do something a little more up-to-date, a little more contemporary. Which film have we chosen to talk about for this episode? We're going to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is the seventh film. Oh. I think that has come out of uh, about Spider-Man. Okay, I'm going to let you start this because basically, you and I are completely different generations, and there are there are things which are home territory for you and things which are home territory for me. So I began with The Shining because I remember when that first came out. So I I'm remember let... when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse first came first out. came out. Yeah. I remember where I was. Um... <laughs> okay, so take us, take it away. What is the film, and tell us what you like about it. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an animated movie uh, written by Phil Lord uh, and produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who made Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty Two Jump Street, the Lego Movie. So they are sort of pioneers of this generation's comedy and definitely animation as well. Um, it is a weird blend of stop motiony looking comic book CGI animation, and it is about Miles Morales, who is a new version of a Spider-Man who's been in the comic book world for maybe about 10 years now. He is a um, a, a black kid from Brooklyn. Uh, and black he, Hispanic, I think. Black Hispanic, yeah. correct. Yes, that is correct. Sorry. Um, and he gets bit by a radioactive spider and turns, starts getting all the spider powers that we're used to. But in this universe, there is... Uh, it's not our own. And there is a cross-universe... MacGuffin <laughs> that allows different spider people to enter the this universe world. and they all have a some time together. Yeah. I loved this movie so much. Uh, I've seen it twice now. Um, I went to like a little fan screening of it that they put on and it's I a fan was, screening well it was just like for kids and that they just had like rather than just a press screening they put it on for like families okay uh, and I went on sla- along to that one like a I, Sunday morning screening yeah, yeah yeah and I just and they had all these little sort of like masks on, on, on sticks and I was properly getting involved with all of it I was so excited I'm such a massive fan of Spider-Man he's my absolute favourite okay. he's been with me since well before I can remember he wasn't there um, this movie is everything that I love about movies um i have flaws and criticisms of it but mostly i just think it's just this overwhelming experience that has like intimate moments that you would want from like 
the best dramas, but it has like the hugest moments that you would want from like, the things that remind me of 2001 A Space Odyssey like, <laughs> like there's huge like L- LSD sort of like trippy moments yeah. uh, in, in, in it um, blended together with these like gorgeous little character interactions my favourite of which being the interactions between Miles and Peter Parker from the other universe yeah. this sort of father and son s relationship but also the relationship he has with his own father and also his uncle uh, played by Mahershala Ali called Aaron Davis like it just seems to be this like story about a kid who is just searching for his place and doesn't know where he belongs and is looking for anybody that he relates to and for anybody to take interest in him Spider-Man I mean this guy swings in once a day zip zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one right yeah dad yeah I love you Miles yeah I know dad you gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I wanna hear it. You wanna hear it? I love you, Dad. You're dropping me off at school. I love you, Dad. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. It's just, it's just brilliant. I don't really have any bad things to say about it. Like I have a few little nitpicks, I think. Okay. But I just think it's just a wonderful experience, and it's so great to see a Spider-Man movie on the big screen that explores all the exciting elements of the character but also the sort of the intimate stuff as well and also it's nice for this generation to have a brand new face to to put all that spider-man stuff on and the main thing about the movie being that anybody can wear the mask like i love that because that's been the big thing about spider-man you know ever since he was created is that his face is entirely covered so you you have no idea who's behind that mask iron man tells you who he is batman has like some gaps so you can see it's just a white guy <laughs> like this, the same with Superman you can see his face with Spider-Man he's completely covered from head to toe so you have no idea who or what it is okay. and that's a little bit explored in the first Raimi Spider-Man where they're just talk, where they, there's all these almost talking head interviews where they're just like oh who knows who it is could be a man could be a woman like there's all this this talk of it but it is just again just a white guy yeah. so it's very very nice to see uh, a black Hispanic kid a woman a pig, yes. <laughs> yeah, all getting the chance to to show that the character in itself can be translated onto so many different faces, and it doesn't really matter who it is; it's still you can still relate to it. You want to know what happened to you? I can teach you to be Spider-Man. Mm, I love this burger; so delicious. Mm, one of the best burgers I've ever had. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. I think you're going to be a bad teacher. How am I supposed to save the whole world? You can't think about saving the world. You have to think about saving one person. One thing I know for sure, don't do it like me. Do it like you. Brooklyn! So I saw that I'm not somebody who's a comics book aficionado. Um, when I was a kid, I think the only comics I really read was I had I had these two compendiums that were given to me. I think somebody, I think one of my parents went away to America or something, came back with Superman from the 30s to the 70s and Batman from the 30s to the 70s, which was like these two sort of compendium stuff. And I read and loved both of those. And I remember reading some Spider-Man comic books because they were considered to be a little bit edgy. They were considered to be sort of a little bit, you know, um, there, there was something about them. But I was never a sort of huge devotee. And I went in to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse knowing very little about it other than that I couldn't quite get my head around the title. And not, I don't think I was 
even certain whether it was all animated or whether right. some of it was animated so I knew almost nothing and I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed a number of things about it firstly I thought it was really funny I thought it was really properly funny secondly I loved the animation I loved the fact that it had that, that kind of look of the comic book about it you know the dots and the lines yeah and how they were animated as well No, it's, the, it, the was, texture of it was, was, was really really well done and I thought that it had a proper slapstick sensibility I don't mean that in a bad way I mean yeah, no, it does. properly kinetic you know things banging into each other in which you had a sense and of and a the, rhythm to it oh, as yeah. well so much like yeah. well timed pieces of comedy no exactly timing is absolutely the thing and it's interesting that you know in my so in my life and my sort of recent memory of Spider-Man so I remember going to see the Sam Raimi Spider-Man when it first came out and I reviewed um, I think it must have been maybe it was Spider maybe it was the second Spider-Man movie for um, for The Observer and I remember writing in my review you know it's funny because I remember the the court cases around Evil Dead if you're my age when Evil Dead came out, uh, which was Sam Raimi's you know, breakthrough feature, which was based on a shorter film that he that he made before, but it was his first feature film, and he made it with money that was raised through, you know, dentists and local businesses, and it was distributed here by Palace Palace Pictures and went out on video, and it was one of the things that got caught up in the video nasties um, scare, and. Palace actually defended the film in court. It was um, brought up on obscenity charges. And during the Video Nasty Scare, which this is way before your time, but basically video dealers and video distributors got got hit with um, obscenity prosecutions. And most of them just, they just, they didn't want to fight them. Of course they didn't because they would, you know, they just wanted them to to go away. So they would pay a fine or they would suffer in panic. Palace decided to fight the Evil Dead case. And there was a famous case at Snaresbrook Crown Court in which they brought out all these expert witnesses. I think Derek Malcolm was one of them, in which people argued that the Evil Dead was not an obscene work. But it's the Evil Dead was in court in Britain and it being argued that it had the, the power to potentially deprave and corrupt a significant proportion of its likely audience. Those girls were watching a scene from a horror film called Evil Dead 1, which broke all financial records in the cinema and as a home video when released four years ago. Yet it was uh, attacked by some as being no more than a video nasty, and the Department of uh, Public Prosecutions took court action to ban it. The action actually failed, but the arguments will rage again when its sequel, Evil Dead 2, hits the cinema screens next week. And then I was writing this review of the second Spider-Man in The Observer saying, isn't it incredible that this guy (laughs) went from being the guy who made this thing that was a great cause celebrant on the front page of tabloids, you know, banned these... to somebody who is now making the biggest most kind of you know family, family friendly, friendly yep. you know blockbuster isn't isn't that an extraordinary thing and i remember saying in the re- in the review of that that that's kinetic sense that Raimi had we spoke about this before in relation to the shining that Raimi always had a kind of comedic sense of timing and that's what made the evil dead work that's what made the evil dead scary is that it was the three stooges but with you know with with blood and gut standing in for custard pies and the best bits about the raimi spider-man movies were when it got that kinetic sense right and the worst bits about the raimi movies was when all that went out the window and the films didn't turn out to be what he wanted was particularly in, in you know later on and i don't try and, i don't talk about no no, that, no that's fine so then we had that version <laughs> then we had the andrew garfield incarnation now we've got the latest incarnation which actually i think is really good because then what we yeah. have now with tom holland is actually like john hughes teen movies yeah. set in the marvel cinematic universe yeah exactly and i think that you know that that works for so i i've gone through all of those versions and then watching the 
watching Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. The thing that I'm thinking is not, oh, well, Spider-Man has had so many incarnations in the comic books, then of course it's perfectly brilliant that the whole point about it is that this character can be anyone, can be anything. I'm thinking, I've already seen three versions of Spider-Man in recent past uh, in the cinema, and I have no problem with that at all because each one is completely different. And the thing I really loved about the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was that when you had all the different incarnations of spider person i suppose (laughs) um in the same world they were all in the same world but they all appeared to occupy the space that they were in seemed to be defined by who they were so the way in which they moved the way in which they related physically to the world around them it was almost like they were all in their own universes whilst all being together in the same universe and there were certain sequences in which particularly the, the stuff with peter porker because yeah. this is absurd. Completely different animation style. Yeah, completely different animation style. And yet somehow they knit it together. So you don't go, hold on, this is like literally just watching somebody gluing two bits of different things together. And I mean, there is the joke about, you know, how's that for a comic book? But it's, it's or how's that for a cartoon, isn't it? But I thought it was really clever that each one of them occupied the world that they were meant to be in. Penny Parker and, you know, they, they, and yet they were all together in the and same the whole frame. thing about, like, uh, Spider-Noir, like, having, yeah. like, why is it windy? We're in a basement. Kingpin knows we're coming. We're going to be outnumbered. Don't be so sure. You might need these. You think you're the only people who thought to come here? Hey, fellas. Is, is he in black and white? Where's that wind coming from? We're in a basement. Wherever I go, the wind follows. And the wind, it smells like rain. Hi, guys. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. I just washed my hands. That's why they're wet. No other reason. Okay. Now, I have one question come criticism and it's this before i saw the film somebody sent me a a friend of mine who works in the technical side of film sent me um a a message saying are you going to go see into the spider-verse i said yes he said get in touch with me afterwards because i have a technical question that i want to ask you so i was my interest was piqued and um and i saw the film and i thought okay i know exactly what the technical question is I saw it in 2D. Did you see it in 2 or 3? 2D. Fine. Is it, does it exist in 3D as well? There is I th- don't know. I haven't seen that anywhere. Okay. But I just try and like, sort of... That's fine. <laughs> so now, so now. when you were watching it in 2D, did you find it distracting that there were large sections in which the background appeared to be an unrectified 3D? There were some times when it was even like a, uh, like a, a two-shot when you could see the other person's face and that was obviously being blurred out mm-hmm. and it looked like they were like it was doubled yeah and yeah. there were there were there were large sequences in which stuff happening in the background the whole everyone knows this but the way stereoscopy works the the further away from the point of convergence you get the the further separated the images become so if you if, if something comes right towards you the image separates up if something goes right away from you the, the, the image will separate and there were there were moments in which there was people in the background who were clearly doubled. I mean, very, very clearly doubled. And at first I was thinking, hang about, because I saw this in a, in a paying cinema in central West End. The first thing I thought was, hang about a minute, are they showing me an unrectified 3D version? I did watch it for about five minutes. Oh, right. thinking, wondering whether or not they had the wrong Wondering whether or not they actually had the wrong version. But then knowing that this friend of mine had said, I've got a technical question I want to ask you about. 
Then, because it only happened in certain scenes, it was evident that it can't, that it, it can't have been the wrong version. It was but a it, choice. Yeah, and then I, well, then I started to wonder whether what they'd done, because the way in which you do any uh, uh, animation like that is composite, you know, composite creation of the image, whether they had used the 3D background by mistake or just... Anyway, it turns out that, the, that it, it's a deliberate choice. It is a deliberate choice, and the idea was that by putting the background slightly squiff, slightly unrectified, slightly out of focus, what it was meant to do is to draw your eye to the stuff that's in the front of the frame that was in focus. My problem is, for me, it had exactly the opposite yeah, effect. your eyes went, I went, I went, why is that? And it's not that it was slightly out of focus. It's that it was literally two images, one unto the other, split in a way which implied an unrectified stereoscopy. And that, I know this is a, t- now this is a very small hill, and... I do think that if that's the only thing that I had a problem with, yeah. that tells you an awful <laughs> lot about the film. But did it distract you at all? Because mm. I did find it distracting. I didn't find it distracting for very long. I definitely noticed it at times, and I noticed it, I noticed it more on people's faces, more right. in the background. I didn't. I my eyes must have been drawn where I was supposed to go for most of it. But okay. I definitely I definitely know what you're talking about. Did you think at one point that what they were trying to do was to reproduce that thing that you get when when comic books were printed that sometimes the colours would be slight you know the, the like what the red would be slightly one way and the green would be slightly another way or did you I, ju- I just thought that the, the texture of the whole thing looked like a comic book so yes I think I think that without thinking specifically about that thing okay I think the whole thing I, I was like this this just feels but like did you ever think movie. it looks like unrectified 3D yes especially on the second time um, when I saw that person's face when it was doubled okay it was a close up of them and it was it was kind of it was like a faded double uh, and I thought it looked a little bit like... So do you fight. think as an aesthetic decision that that was a good decision or a bad decision? Um, I don't think it was either. I think it was like... It, <laughs> it wasn't either. It wasn't either. It was, it was, it was sort of like, eh, like it's not the best thing about it, is it? Like, I, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best thing about it. There's this distracting thing not, that makes you go, am I watching this in, in, in unrectified 3D? <laughs> I think that it probably would have been better if it wasn't if, if, if that didn't come into your mind especially because it looks so if they probably didn't even think it did look like unrectified 3d they probably just wanted to do uh, something different and they yeah. didn't it didn't even come to their but it minds. did look like that yes it did it did okay fine so it, i think for me that's the one thing fine but i can park it and actually it says a lot about the film that i did park it and i did get on with it because i tend to be terribly fidgety about that sort of thing and it, something like that would has the potential to completely mess a movie up for me i remember seeing a movie called i think it was all the mornings of the world it was a film about somebody playing a stringed instrument mm. and the fingering that they were using was wrong and that was it the whole yeah. thing the film, film wasn't about that but the, the whole film was completely destroyed for me by the fact that i didn't believe they were actually playing the instrument and that is the kind of thing that could have got under my skin and it didn't and the reason it didn't was because everything else in the film was working so well and was snapping to attention that i I just kind of, you know, I got over it. Do you think there are precedents of other films that have done a similar thing? What, I mean, what would you compare it to? Because I was sitting I there thinking, I, it. I haven't seen this done before. The only thing I can compare it to is uh, another Spider-Man video game called uh, The Ultimate Spider-Man from years ago, which also lo- it was designed to look like a comic book. Okay. And that was the, that's the only thing that it made me think of because the rest of it just seemed so incredibly unique that... And and so ambitious, like in, not in term, not only in terms of its visual style, but also the story it was telling. Like this is a, this is a family movie. Like it's made obviously to for everybody. Yeah, so you said you watched it with a bunch of kids. Yeah, and and on the second viewing as well, which was a paying theatre, 
there was a little boy sat next to me who was loving it, like, and just so excited by all of it, and that, that just like filled my heart up. Like, I was just so happy that he, he was he was having a great time with it. But it's about interdimensional universes and and, and quantum physics, and like that's what leads, you know, that's the, that's what starts the plot off. Hey guys, Wanda, it's Gwen, actually. Oh, you know her. Very cool. I'm from another dimension. I mean, another. Another dimension. All right, people, let's start at the beginning. My name is Gwen Stacy. For the last two years, I've been the one and only Spider-Gwen. I joined a band, saved my dad. And one day this weird thing happened. And I mean like really weird. I was blown into last week. Literally. I landed in New York, but not my New York. Let's go. How many more spider people are there? We're saving for Comic-Con. What's Comic-Con? I can't believe that they do it so seamlessly and make it so not complicated. And so easy for you to understand that they they come from this glowing thing. And when they go back in, they go to their own world. Like... Uh, it's the little details. Although, although that is very, I mean, there is now an audience of people who've grown up on Doctor Who, in exactly, which that yeah. is the basic Doctor Who plug. Because again, we've had umpteen incarnations of Doctor Who. Now, for the first time, we have a female incarnation of Doctor Who. Everyone said, oh, you can't do that. It's a whole time space continuum. We'll explain. <laughs> oh, no, when it's fine. And- it's absolutely <laughs> fine. But in a way, because, you know, kids growing up with that kind of science fiction, and I'm sure it's the same, same is true of comic books, there is a brilliant scene in. Um, uh, the Richard Gere remake of Breathless in which he goes into the store in Los Angeles and he's obsessed with Silver Surfer and there is this kid who comes up to Richard Gere and just suddenly and says this thing about oh, Silver Surfer sucks and Richard Gere says what do you mean the Silver Surfer sucks Silver Surfer and he says yeah well he's got the power cosmic but he doesn't he do, you know he doesn't he doesn't go why doesn't he just go they're all after him and he says well you know he's he's in love with the planet and he's in love with the girl and Gere goes yeah Silver Surfer and they have this basically this argument which is the center of what breathless is about which is why doesn't he just go why is he staying because he's in love bloody bloody blah and it happens in a conversation with a kid about, about comic books because jim mcbride is doing a thing which is if you've read comic books you already you already understand all this stuff you know yeah. that it's 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 cosmic but it's, and i thought that the thing that spider-verse did was it imagined that anyone who'd seen science fiction television or read comic that's fine you get it. yeah yeah. If, if, yeah it's fine we know all about that stuff i love that it's like passed off as a joke as well at one point where he says like are you from a parallel universe and now you're stuck here and he's and he does this whole explanation <laughs> yeah. goes really that was just a guess yeah. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. So I, I think I want to get into some spoilers now. So okay, if you haven't seen fine. Into the Spider-Verse, please Stop switch listening. off and come back yeah. um, and listen to us talk about the movie you saw. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready to see Spider-Man die. Okay. Like, so on a separate note... Did it upset you? Very much so. Oh, okay. Very much so. Like, I... Didn't know that's where this film was going to go. Right. And it happens in, what, the first 15 minutes? Yeah. 15, 20 minutes? Like, he gets murdered. And this was going to say, on a separate note, like, this film is properly scary at times. Mm. And I can't remember the last time I saw a kid's movie that made me, like, feel like, oh, if I was a kid, that would, that would frighten me. Well, except Snow White and all those... But that's what I mean. It's like since like oh yeah, you're like right. since gives, the Lion King and, yes, and all fine, this okay. like, like yeah, that is quite a long time. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's a good point. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's comparative aging. Sorry, Snow White was the thirties. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's nearly the nearly birth the, of sound cinema. Yeah, we're sorry. nearly in the twenty thirties. Um, <laughs> oh lord! Okay. Yeah. But like the Prowler was like properly scary. Kingpin when he slams down on 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 Spider Man, like frightened me yeah. and I can't believe they murder him and then they have like a they see the ramifications of what would happen if somebody like that were to die and you see the funeral of it and I was just I was already like a little bit teary eyed because I was like oh my god I'm just watching Spider-Man die like mm. th- that's horrible to watch that and then they cut to Stan Lee's cameo and I was gone I was just like oh my god like literally after Spider-Man dies you cut to Stan Lee Jesus like I just wasn't ready for it yeah like You're actually was, getting quite emotional just talking about it now. Yeah, it just... It, That's great. Yeah, it literally just... It's just very, very strange to see somebody... You've been that unspoiled you, that by the world, Jack. I think that's really sweet. <laughs> you, like, just to see somebody, like, that means so much to you that almost feels... Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many reincarnations of him, but he almost feels... Um, what's the word? But he can't die. What's that called? Yeah, immortal. He feels immortal. Um, and there, all of a sudden, he's not. And he dies. And also, like, you know, I'm 26, mm. and the Peter Parker in the movie that dies is 26. Mm. Like, there's something about that that's like, oh, my God. Like, Can I ask you a side question? Yeah, please this? do. Um, I'm a big Chris Nolan fan. I think you are, too. Yep, very much so. You've seen The Prestige? Yep. Fine. So I'm doing a 35mm screening of The Prestige down in, in Cornwall. Again, spoiler-tastic. Don't you think the moment in The Prestige when you realise that the character that doesn't die is dying all the time yes. is really hard really hard yes yeah it's that similar thing about oh they're immortal but no but the immortality involves dying over, over and, over, and over, again. over again yeah horrible and 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 with that movie especially it's like oh my god the lengths that you'll go to I know, for, I your, know. Yeah. for your art yeah. To, yeah. To, yeah. To, to to exist yeah. anyway so back to spoilers so. yes um so that was hard to watch and very very effective um for me personally and then the Prowler stuff. Did you? I have a question. Did you know that the Prowler was also Aaron Davis? No. So I did know that just from knowing comics. Okay, fine. And knowing the lore of the world. Yeah, no, I didn't know. Because um, Donald Glover plays the same character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. And little just thing, he mentions in Homecoming, I've got a nephew 
who I want to look, I want to keep protected. So they're already confirming that Miles Morales exists. Okay. In the in the Marvel Cinematic Fine. Universe, you see that's the sort of stuff that I would. That that just that's the stuff that that's yeah. No, of course, and that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> course, fine, fine. Because like you have Donald Glover playing Aaron Davis, and he says, "I've got a nephew." I go, "Oh, Miles Morales exists." Like okay. that's cool. Right. Um, so oh, I just went really. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I've got a nephew too. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Prowler being Aaron Davis and having that be the origin story, where like he's got a, a proper bond with him, and he's the one. He's a, and, you know, it's the uncle who dies yeah. and all that sort of stuff, but. Number one, Mahersha Ali's performance is incredible. Yeah, like Mahersha Ali, who famously won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for, for Moonlight. Moonlight, which a, a similar character, They're sort of like. Oh, okay, that's interesting because he's the kingpin. He's the, he's the he's bad but good. Yeah, and, and but okay, not, yeah, not only that, the but bad like, uncle. Yeah, he, okay. he's, he's the he's the one who shows him the way and, yes. and, and connects with the kid. And, yeah, and, and I thought that was. Yeah, you're right. No, I hadn't thought of that. That's that's very astute. Yeah, and. Well I done, thought, Jack. That's very you. astute. Um, <laughs> Stop patting me on the head. I know, I'm sorry. I actually, that's what <laughs> I feel literally like. patting me on the I head. literally feel like I'm doing that. <laughs> um, but well I done. Thought, well observed. <laughs> I thought his performance was so brilliant that it, it's maybe out of the whole... I thought every cast member was great. But I thought maybe, maybe out of all of it, he made the character the most real. Okay. Like, I thought that his performance was was lifelike. Right, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I did, you know, I did, I didn't know that in, in mm. advance, but I bought the character. Yeah, and what, yeah, what happened? What did you feel when it was revealed that he was he he was the? Bad it was guy? a twist. Yeah, went, really. Yeah, and but I thought, but you know, it's like, oh, oh, that's you know, that's oh, wow. And you isn't know? it like the moment on the roof where he's holding him like off the roof? Um, there's a moment where like when he pulls that mask back down. Where part of me thinks, oh my god, is he pulling that back down so he can just live with the fact that he's going to have to kill his own nephew? Right. Like that, all that stuff was like properly yeah. scary. Yeah. And another thing that was scary about the Prowler was his theme, that siren. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> that keeps happening. It's a. Ve- it's not even you know because we've had a lot of wongs in cinema since Inception, and this wasn't that. It was this like siren. It was this like screeching horrible sound. But what I noticed the second time, and I love this detail, because the soundtrack's incredible, both, I think, the songs and the actual score. But that score, that little siren, is then integrated later into a song that's on the soundtrack for when Miles is Spider-Man. So it's like he's, uh, the character is still part of, of him when he, when he evolves and becomes who he was meant to good. be. I go hard with it, no matter how dark it is. I'm insane, but on my toes. And I thought that was such a brilliant little detail. It's just in a song called um, something about danger, like "Here Comes Danger," or like "Look Out, Look Out, Danger." I think is what it's called. Yeah. And it's the one that plays when he like leaps off that building and like breaks the glass, and that's that beautiful shot where it's upside down and he's like diving into New York. Yeah. That that soundtrack is didn't playing think, that theme. Didn't you think the evocation of New York was really brilliant? That All you of it, just yes. you absolutely loved the architecture of it, and I yeah. loved I loved the look and feel of the world. The neon and, look of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that a was... A train running through that doesn't exist. But that was one of the... Well... Does it? I guess it's the L train that he's on. Right. That train does go through. No, I mean, the one that's, like, outside. Yes, it's the, it's the oh, elevator. Right. Yeah, it's the thing oh. that they chase under in the French Connection. Yeah, but it doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Uh, isn't that, that's just a walkway now, isn't it? Well, there is... There's the elevated train in... New York, but you're right. There is now that whole section which is the High Line. I mean, you can walk along, and it's a it's a garden. But anyway, but the point is, 
the, just the architecture of that stuff is brilliant. And it, I thought it was a re- great evocation of that world and s- the sort of that dream of swinging through it and flying through it. And yeah. I just thought was was really wonderful. And that, incidentally, is the thing that Raimi's first movie never got right. They never managed to integrate the live action footage with the clearly animated yes. version of Spider-Man swinging through it. I think it was actually worse in Spider-Man 2. I think it was a, oh, really? okay. I think it was a little better in Spider-Man 1. But you're right, I think that like what lends Spider-Man to animation is that impossible twisting and turning yeah. and, and stuff that he can you know you could never capture uh, in, in in live action. And so much so that like the the Chris Pine version of Spider-Man the one who ends up dying. Yeah is literally the the perfect Spider-Man. Like, the moment when he... It almost reminded me of Batman, in a way. Just like, I will help you. Like, stay here, I'm going to show you the ropes. And then when he just leaps up that that construction yeah. and swings and whips and, and dives around all of it when, when you know, the, first, the only Spider-Man theme that plays in it when he, when he does it, his only Spider-Man theme. I was just like, this is, this is breathtaking. Like, just watching him do all this stuff feels like I've never seen it before, but you've seen Spider-Man a million times yeah. on, in, in cinema, but you've never seen him do that because it's impossible <laughs> for, for a human person to do those things. So seeing him, <laughs> seeing him at his best and then obviously seeing all the rest of them come in and do the same sort of stuff yeah. was just visually just a treat. So what were your quibbles? What did you what My did quibbles, I, I only have a couple of criticisms about it. I would have preferred, and this is just a personal thing, if the story was more about Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Because when, when they first start and there's that quibble between them, okay. uh, and then he leaves and he's like, I'm going to go and save, I'm gonna go save the world and then go back to my universe. Bye, kid. Yeah. And then the kid's like, no, you need to teach me. That, that, that dynamic, yeah. I really, really like. That sort of surrogate father-son um, uh, relationship. And then that, sort of gets lost a little bit with all the other with all the other stuff and all the other universes and the the MacGuffin plot and things like that and then it almost just comes back at the end and they just tie it up really quickly and there's all that stuff which I really like that where Peter Parker from the Ultimate Universe and Kingpin are almost they've almost got the same story that they've lost something that they love and they're afraid they're going to repeat their same mistakes. Peter Parker learns to not do that, and Kingpin chooses to continue to be okay. the same, and, and, and he's, ultimate, he's his own downfall. Like, I love all that stuff, but it didn't feel like it was the main focus. And I know it's because it's a kid's movie and it needs to be spectacular, but I think if it was more focused on their relationship back and forth for most of the second act, with all the other stuff interwoven as a second, as a sort of B-plot, I think I would have, like, connected with it even more. Okay. Because it felt like that stuff was just, from, like, a writing point of view, was just sort of rushed in back at the end. Okay. Are we get, are we going to get more Spider-Man, Spider-Verse? I would assume so. Did you stay for the end credits? Thing? Yes. Yeah, the, the Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I'm not... You're not... You were no longer allowed to leave. The, what, yes. There's one thing with, with the, you know, with all superhero movies, is now it's an unwritten law, isn't it? You cannot leave until the curtains I are I can't believe closed. that people do. I'm looking around me and like, do you not it's know? It's not finished. <laughs> and, yeah, and it was such a great end, ending credits yeah. thing because it was like obviously saying that there is somebody who can travel through universes mm. will, willingly, yeah. which is great, uh, but also ending it with the gag of him ending up in the 60s with the, it's become a meme of yeah. him pointing and the two <laughs> Spider-Men that see each other. It's brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would be shocked if there is. Has it, it been making money into the Spider Verse? I, 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 imag- so. I, I imagine it's done fine. Uh, yeah, I, I got a chance to sit down with Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Oh, um, wow, okay. Um, and they are clearly so proud of it. And, you know, after making Solo and getting fired, 
I bet they were able to have more time mm. on this. I bet Solo they, was a bit poo, wasn't it? It was so rubbish. <laughs> it was my. It's definitely one of my worst of the year. I, I but, it made a, a, but it made a ton of money. Yeah, but I had such a bad time with it. And and when I sat down with Full and Chris Miller, they'd just been nominated for a Golden Globe. For? I, for Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Yeah, fine. And I bet there's nothing better than being like, yeah. So they were nominated as producers? Yeah, because yeah, Into the yeah, Spider-Verse has been nominated for Best, best Animated yeah, Feature. Fine, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think it's going to do very well okay. like I, I think that it's maybe one of the most unique looking animated things I've ever seen but also like what a brilliant script that Phil Lord wrote and, yeah. and they and they've uh, they, they were telling me about yes he yeah he, he wrote the original screenplay yeah, yeah. and then somebody yeah. wrote it with him um, but yeah yeah the uh the, the team that they've assembled to do this, not only the animators, but there's three directors on this, and I think most of them are first-time directors. And they've clearly what they what they explained to me was this like film school sort of like feeling about it, which is like we're all just pitching in, we're all just like making this thing yeah, together because yeah. we like it. And I just think you can tell, you can tell that this is just made with love, and it's just a bunch of people who wanted to make this movie. Yeah. You can see it in every frame. You can hear I, it in I every think voice. That's, I think that is probably the key to it: is that even if like me you are not an aficionado. You can tell that it's made by people who are, mm-hmm. and yet it's compl- it works for somebody who isn't. Yes, it's not, it's it's like not you, elitist. Yeah, and you're saying seeing it with a young audience, because in a way I feel like I feel like they probably know more than I do. And uh, the, you know, the, like the greatest kids' movies will delight an adult. And it, I think that, the, that it did that. It, it played to me, and I'm, mm. you know, what I know about Spider-Man wouldn't fill the back of a postage stamp, but I, <laughs> thought I, I really enjoyed it and I really understood it. And I just thought it was really fascinating with the exception of that weird sort of thing that was happening in the background. And I did think at the end, I'd happily watch another one of those. Yeah. That, that would be fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take to animate one of those things again. Um, it's four years each cycle, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll happily wait. For, and I'll have these forever. Like they, they, that was so brilliant, and I, I'm so glad as well that Sony have finally like got it right. Like they've been trying to do a Sinister Six movie, which is essentially like a villains movie okay. for years, and they've managed to sort of get them into this. And, and 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 when it comes to the villains as well, like I didn't think any of the sort of the gender switching or the ethnicity switching, like making Scorpion Spanish and making yeah. Doc Ock a woman, didn't feel forced at all. Like it was all like. It wasn't like, hey, we're doing it like this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it just was. Yeah, was I, I loved that. I mean, I, right, right down to the fact that when I'd seen the trailer and I'd seen the Peter Porker thing, and I, I thought that is, that's the Simpsons joke about Spider Pig, Spider yeah. Pig does whatever a Spider Pig does. And then you go, yeah, oh, it's fine. Farm of when? No, we can't. He's, He's a, a pig. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that seems like a good place to end on. Jack, thanks ever so much. Thank I look forward much. to you coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just stay here. Holding the microphone until <laughs> until it happens again. <laughs> All right, well, I'll leave you with your thoughts. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Well, that's it for this week. Jack Howard will be back very soon to discuss awards, nominations, and wins. And remember, if you've enjoyed this episode of Kermit on Film, then please do subscribe. Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.